if you would put your hands together for Susie DeSantos. Good morning, good news. How are you? Who's excited to be done with Luke? <laughs> I am. But it has been such a great journey. Like I have learned so much spending these 18 months with Jesus and seeing how he interacted with the world and what his kingdom looks like. And I feel like I've changed. Like I've really changed. I, I feel like there's a a less judgy edge to me and the, and the love of Christ is more in my heart. And, um, I hope that this journey has been able to, um, change your heart as well. So, um, can you see me? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Cause I had to convince the guys I didn't need a step stool to preach. So <laughs> they're so kind and helpful. All right, so last week, Pastor Jason looked at the story of the empty tomb and the resurrection and the, and the women coming and saying that his body's not there and, and this living hope. And we're going to look at Luke's last three passages about um, hope being restored, hope that needs to be shared, and hope that needs to be celebrated. If you would stand with me for the reading of the God's word. going to warn you it's a long passage so if you need to lean on your friend go for it all right that same day two of jesus's followers were walking to the village of emmaus seven miles from jerusalem as they walked along they were talking about everything that had happened and as they talked and discussed these things jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them but god kept them from recognizing him He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and it gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a risen Savior. I thank you that you are our living hope. I thank you that you are here with us now. And I ask that the words that come forth from my mouth will be what you would have for your people to hear this morning. We bless you and we praise you and we thank you in your wonderful name. Amen. Go ahead and sit. (laughs) Told you it was a long one. Okay, so this story's pretty funny to me. It's uh, filled with little bits of humor, but you kind of have to read it a few times to, for it to pull out. So we'll have a little bit of fun this morning. You have two people walking home discussing everything that just happened to them in Jerusalem. So you have the Passover. You have Jesus being arrested, his trial, his crucifixion, and now these rumors of resurrection. It was a lot for them to process in a very short amount of time. Now, I say disgusting because the Greek word here actually means strong debate. So they're arguing with each other. And some scholars, there's a little bit of debate whether this was a husband and wife or just two dudes. But if it was a husband and wife, it's even funnier to me. (laughs) Anyway, so you've been in a discussion with someone probably recently. It might have even happened on the way to church. It happens. It gets the best of us. Pastor Raphael calls it heated fellowship. (laughs) And because he's not here, I can say him and I have heated fellowship often. (laughs) But it's all good. So they're walking along arguing with one another. Do you wonder what they were arguing about? I do. (laughs) Was his body stolen? Where the woman who saw the empty tomb lying, if he was alive, where did he go? And was everything we believed in a lie? I think that last question was very much in their minds. But their discussion (laughs) was so lively, they didn't even notice some dude joining them and then button into their conversation. You all know somebody who butts in, right? I'm guilty. So my office is um, right out, right beside the coffee maker in our main office. And so lots of discussions happen there. And it gives me lots of opportunities to be like Jesus and butt in. It's fun. Okay. So now Luke clues us into the fact that this is um, Jesus that joined them. But the pair do not know that yet. So I imagine the conversation kind of going like this. Jesus is like, hey, what you talking about? And there's one guy with a real sad face. And he's like, dude, where have you been? Under a rock? And I can, I can hear Jesus be like, not under a rock, but behind one. <laughs> Thank you. No, no. Okay. Anyway. But Jesus asks them, he's like, what happened? Now, this is like when I ask my kids who have been fighting, what happened? I kind of, I know what happened. I know what they're going to say, but I'm trying to hear from their perspective what happened. And this is what Jesus is doing. So one of them, 
pop speaks up and says, Jesus was a prophet and a teacher and he ticked off all the religious leaders and they killed them. Then some women go to his tomb and it's empty and angels tell him Jesus is alive. The guys didn't believe it. Ladies, this is typical. So they go to see for themselves and sure enough, the women were right. Jesus wasn't there. But man, we had hoped he was the Messiah who was going to come and save Israel. They had hoped, but it was gone now. Even with the rumors of his resurrection, their hope had departed at Jesus' death. Crucifixion is what the Romans did to all false messiahs. Anybody claiming to be a messiah, crucified. So in their minds, this was the one thing that could not happen. He could not die. And he did. And it caused them to lose their hope and question everything. Have you ever ran into one of those God, this cannot happen moments? And then it did and it caused you to question everything. Have you? I have. I've been there. Going through a divorce was one of those moments for me. That was one of those God, this cannot happen moments. But just like God met the pair on the road to Emmaus, he met me on my journey and he restored my hope. That's what Jesus does. He restores our hope. So if you're in a place of hopelessness, know that he can restore your hope. So what had the pair hoped for? What were they expecting the Messiah to do? There was a lot of thoughts uh, flowing around at that time about what the Messiah was doing. It was very concrete. He had to get rid of the Romans. He had to punish all the wicked sinners. He had to establish a new kingdom of peace and justice. And Israel was going to be back up on the top. But he just could not die. There's a theme of unexpected in the book of Luke. We see that even in Jesus' birth, it wasn't how they expected the Messiah to come. We see in this kingdom that Jesus preached, it wasn't what they expected the kingdom of God to look like. And now, why would we think the inauguration of this kingdom would come as they expected? Jesus is unexpected. They missed what God was doing because they let their expectations of what they thought God would do speak louder in their hearts than what was found in scriptures. And Jesus called them foolish for this. He goes on to unpack all the scriptures for them and shows them how all that happened to Jesus was a fulfillment of what the scriptures said would happen. He may have just rebuked them, but now he is restoring their hope and reassuring them that they have what they have seen is not the end of hope, but it's beginning. How many times have we missed what God is doing because we expect him to do something else? It happen, what happens? We lose our hope. And I think this is a trap that we kind of put ourselves in often. We expect one thing 
and it doesn't come through and it forces us to lose our hope. But if you don't want to miss what God is doing, read the word, read the scriptures. His character is on full display. His will is on full display in this book. And just like he did for the pair on the road to Emmaus, he will unpack the scriptures for us if we give him the time and the attention. He is the living word. It's a little side advertisement, but if you don't know how to study the word, there's a class starting today at 11.15, which is right now. It's called Transform Life Bible. My friend Jared Lant will be teaching how to study the word, understand what you're reading, and know how to apply that to your life. So if that feels like something you might need to look into, next week, room 214, okay? You can also go to mygoodnews.church and look under news for scriptures that I've picked out for you to further meditate on this week. And there's also a list of resources I use while researching this message. So now let's jump back into the story. So they reached their destination and they asked a stranger to come stay with them because it was getting late. They sit down to a meal. Remember Jesus and meals? Nicholas talked about this. Meals are kingdom moments in the book of Luke. And there's always a revelation attached to that. So he takes the bread and he breaks it. Does that sound familiar? It should trigger our mind back to the Last Supper, but it also should trigger us back to Exodus and the Passover and the, the illustration of the broken body that the bread was. And so he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them and then he's gone. And their eyes are open to realize who was just with them. Can you imagine what was going through their minds at that moment? They're like, That was Jesus. Oh my gosh. What a. Wait. What just happened moment. But the next thing they said is. Didn't our hearts burn within us. As he walked us on the. Talked to us on the road and explained scriptures to us. Exactly. (laughs) Perfect. I love those moments where I'm in the word and it just starts burning inside of me because things are coming together and I'm understanding it in a way that I've never before. It happened a few times while I was writing this message and I would like jump up from my desk and run into my friend Sarah's office and I would just blah it all out there, whether it made sense to her or not. But it burned in me and I had to just tell somebody what I was learning. And just like me running to Sarah's office, these two, their response to this good news that Jesus was alive, they hightailed it back to Jerusalem, seven miles away after supper. Okay. So like I was trying to figure out how long this would take to do seven miles. And for like an average person, it's, it's a little over a couple hours to walk back seven miles. If it's me. I have short legs. It might take a little bit longer. But they didn't care. They didn't say, let's wait till tomorrow when we're refreshed. They hightailed it back to Jerusalem because they had to share their hope. 
their hope had been restored. So when they get to Jerusalem, all the disciples were there and there's Peter talking about he saw Jesus and then they're adding in their testimony. And can you imagine the excitement in that room? It had to be like tangible excitement. And then, boom, there's Jesus right there, suddenly again. And he's like, peace be with you. And I interpret that as, don't freak out. (laughs) Because I would have, I would have freaked out. But they thought that he was seeing, they were seeing a ghost. Like it just couldn't register in their minds yet. But Jesus then, reassuring them, invites them close to look at his hands and feet and to touch him. He invites us close today to know that he is alive as well. This is a little bit off topic, but I like to point out that his, the holes in his hands and his feet are the sign that his resurrected body is the same body that was buried. This is what new creation looks like. It's all things new, not all new things. Some people have the attitude that the body and the world we are living in is all going to burn up someday and it doesn't matter how we take care of it. But no, one day God is going to do for us what he did for Jesus. Our bodies are going to die, but God is going to resurrect us and he's going to resurrect and restore all of creation. All things new. And we get to see a glimpse of that right now in the story and in our lives, just like the disciples did. Like Jesus had scars, you have scars too, and they will remain. But it is those scars that the Lord will use to tell your story and his story to others. What scars have you been hiding that you need to, that you need to reveal so that through them, Hope can be restored for others. Don't let them bring shame. I mentioned earlier a divorce, and that is a scar that could bring shame. But it is a scar of victory. So just like Jesus' scars on his hands and feet were signs of victory, allow your scars to show your victory that came through Jesus. So as their hearts start to get back to normal rhythm, he does what's do he asks for from a meal again, just to show them that he's, he's alive, he's eating. So it was another meal and another revelation. So let's jump back in at verse 44. Okay. And then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. 
And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Here's great Jesus' I told you so moment. He's just reminding them that everything that had happened was in the scriptures. But like the pair on the road from Emmaus, he had taken the disciples on a journey. It was a three-year journey of discovery. And here was its climax. Where he once them told them not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. He now tells them they are witnesses to it all. And this hope must be shared. They were commissioned to carry on what Jesus had started. Jesus came. He demonstrated what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And then he empowered them with the Holy Spirit and with power from heaven to proclaim to all nations there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Just as disciples were witnesses, so too were we witnesses because of this book. This book makes us witnesses to proclaim the good news to all people. Let's look at the final verses of Luke. This little part is happening 40 days later, and Luke uses this story to open up the book of Acts. It says, when Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. The final thing that Jesus did before he went to heaven was to bless them. But I don't think that it was like just the traditional you know, Jewish departure blessing. It feels like a blessing to all of us who are witnesses. It was the blessing that transcended time. And then he was taken up or ascended to heaven. Now, this is more than Luke just giving us GPS coordinates to Jesus. Okay? Luke is making a theological statement. Because in the Old Testament and still within the first century thinking, the skies were where the, where the gods dwelled. That was where God's throne was. So Luke is saying, Jesus' ministry has been vindicated. He has been proven that he is the Messiah. He is now exalted and he sits at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign as king of the cosmos. Just like the scriptures said would happen. Before we started preaching through the book of Luke, Jesus and the, and heaven and the kingdom of God were, they're just kind of far away to me in my thinking. And I know this hindered my relationship with Jesus. Does, does it seem far away to you sometimes as well? Can any of you relate? So... I'm terrible at long-distance relationships. I just, I can't do it. And if you're my friend and you've moved away, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I still love you. I really do. I'm just terrible at com- keeping up communication. And because Jesus seemed far away to me, it seemed like a long-distance relationship to me. It really hindered the way I was able to connect with him in prayer. And then one day, last year, I was talking to Nicholas and I had this great aha moment. 
Have any of you ever seen the show Stranger Things? There's a few nerds in here. <laughs> okay, you're going to get it, and I'm going to ex- try to explain it well enough that you'll be able to track with me if you've not seen it. But So it's this show where there's this alternate dimension to normal reality, and it's called the Upside Down. Someone did something, and now there's this portal that opens the upside down to our normal reality and they exist alongside each other like there you can see a wall and all of a sudden the wall will kind of go weird and you can reach your hand through it so it's like right there they they exist side by side are you tracking with me okay so something bad happens and the upside down starts to influence the normal reality But that's like the kingdom of God. Instead of bad, though, good happens. People get saved. People get delivered. People get healed. Lives are transformed. And it's because the kingdom of God is influencing our current reality. Amen? That is an amen moment. Okay. Now, if you think that this ultimate alternate dimension stuff is weird there is a very beloved nt new uh new testament scholar called nt Wright, and he backs me up on it he says heaven is the extra dimension the god dimension of our reality the jesus who is gone now into god's dimension is the human jesus he bears human flesh and the marks of the man-made nails and spears to this day as he lives within God's dimension. Not far away, but as near as breath itself. Another thing I read said Jesus' ascension pierces the barrier between heaven and earth. And two-way traffic between them flows. Heaven is permanently open for business in a way that is unprecedented in scripture. And that is the access that we have as his children. It is unprecedented access to heaven. Do you get it? You see it? It's like if I put Pastor Jason behind that curtain. uh, You would still hear him, right? He's loud. And if I would like punch at the curtain, I would still feel him there. I just couldn't see him. That's what that is like. He's here. Right here. Right now. The disciples got it. And through that stupid show, I got it. (laughs) And then they were filled with joy. And I was filled with joy. Because Jesus was no longer far away. He was right here. So which of these moments burned in your heart this morning? Are you like the pair on the road to Emmaus who lost hope and Jesus came and restored it? Are you like the disciples who saw the scars and now must share the story of hope? Are you ready to show your scars? Or are you like the ones who watched Jesus ascend into heaven and like me, who now know that Jesus is not far away. He is here right now with us and it fills us with joy and we have to celebrate that hope. 
no matter which one you most identify with today, I think our response needs to be like the disciples. Let our hearts be filled with great joy and let's celebrate the God of our living hope.